in fact, there's more and more production that is needed to be done today with the amount of content that is being pumped out. It really does just open up the door to more opportunities. So I really think that there's going to be a convergence of the advertising industry, the film industry, and then the freelance gig economy. The world of online video changes really fast. And in this episode, I'm speaking with Amanda Horvath all about the future of online video. And this is a really interesting and fun conversation, which I really enjoyed. So I can't wait to bring it to you today. Welcome to episode 98 of the Engage Video Marketing Podcast. This is the Engage Video Marketing Podcast, helping you engage your ideal audience to action through online video. I'll be bringing you the absolute best in the world of video marketing, content creation, storytelling, and marketing strategy, as together we grow to dominate online video and build profitable businesses. I'm your host, Ben Amos. Now let's get on with the show. G'day, g'day. Welcome back to the Engage Video Marketing Podcast. This is episode 98, and yeah, we're getting closer to 100. So before we get into today's show, I want to ask a little favor of you. I know you guys are out there listening, but I know that for many of you listening, you haven't yet left a review for this show, either on iTunes or on Google Play or wherever you listen to this show. And I'd love for you, leading up to episode 100, to leave me just a short rating and a review just to let me know what you think about this show as it really, really helps me uh, get this word out more about the show and what we're doing here. So I want to get into today's show without much mucking around because when Amanda Horvath first reached out to me and she's a listener to this show and I know she's listening to this episode right now, she's a, a video producer and video strategist based in the US and she's been transitioning what she's been doing from production for clients into just providing video strategy for her clients and helping her clients do video better. She has also started and is now just over a year into her building her own YouTube channel. And we talk a little bit about that in this episode as well. But the main reason why I wanted to bring Amanda on is when I first connected with her, we just organically launched into a really interesting conversation about where we both feel the future of online video is going. And I said to her right then and there on that call, I said, I need to get you on the podcast so that we can have this conversation and share it with other people as well. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to have a conversation where you'll hear a little bit more about Amanda and her story. And then we're going to just talk about and get excited about where we feel the future of online video is going. So without further ado, let's jump on into my interview with video producer, video strategist, Amanda Horvath. All right, Amanda, welcome to the podcast. It's awesome to have you join us today. Thank you. Super excited to be here. Yeah, yeah, me too. We caught up um, on a call a little while back and already in that we weren't recording it, but that was, it was, we were having an interesting conversation. So I thought, look, let's do this on the podcast and bring this conversation to other people. So before we get into that conversation, can you let our listeners know a bit about your story? What led you into the world of video and, and what you do in video today? Absolutely. So for those of you out there that have heard Ben's story, mine is actually very similar to that. So basically, I've been running a video marketing company for the past four and a half years. And it's it became evident very quickly that the issue wasn't really in the execution side of things. The issue was in the strategy component of it. 
So I became really dove into the world of online marketing, studied a ton about that. And then now really am positioning myself more as a content strategist. So it's a perfect alignment with what Ben is doing. Yeah, absolutely. And it's really interesting because you, I believe you're not really focusing on doing production anymore, right? You are basically 100% positioning yourself as a, as a strategy designer, as a video strategist, right? So have I got that right? Yes. And that is super new as of just like a month ago. And so it's been a really fun transition to get into that. Well, so let's bring it back a little bit to when you were producing content for clients as well. And what totally clients mostly coming to you for as far as, as far as, you know, what were they reaching out to you and saying, Amanda, we want you to do this. What was that? Yeah. So the main thing that I found was a brand video, or at least that was the one that I loved when they reached out to me for that one. Right. And that was the main video that made the biggest difference as well. They also reached out to me for online course videos or internal training videos or Facebook ads or um, testimonials, a lot of testimonials. I think a, that's the one thing video wise that everyone knows that they need. It's testimonials and maybe a video from the homepage of my website is how they would describe it. And what was your process when they were reaching out to you saying, I want a, for example, testimonial for my website. And I know I want to use video for this video is the thing. It's cool. It's going to do what I want it to do. Um, what was your process? Did you just say, cool? Yep. Let's make it. Let's grab some cameras, head out there, find someone to point the camera at, or were you switching the conversation around a bit? So at first, when I first started, it was, okay, cool, let's make that video. And then over and over again, when I realized that video needed more guidance because it wasn't actually doing what it needed to do. And once I realized that the business owner also wanted guidance and was okay with having me contribute to the conversation as well, then I definitely started guiding the conversation a lot more. So now I'm at the point where I'm like, is that even the video you're supposed to be creating? Let's talk about it. Uh, let's talk about that. What's that conversation look like and how are clients responding to that conversation when you, when you switch that up on them? Yeah, I think the, I've, towards the end of it, started to realize that the people that really were open to having that conversation were the clients that I really wanted to be working with because they had an open mind and they weren't uh, in it for just the video. They were truly in it for the results. And I get my satisfaction out of knowing that the video that I had created really is getting them results. And so I really enjoyed that. So we would essentially, I'd say, okay, why are you creating this video? What's the goal of it? What are you looking to achieve by creating this video? Do you have a plan for distributing the video? And usually they'd be like, uh, <laughs> not really. You know, we just, or maybe they would say, yeah, we really want to push this out on our, we want to have a page on our website that has testimonials, or we're just going to put it on our website. And I can't tell you the number of times I created a brand video and it didn't even end up on the homepage of their site. It's like, yeah. so I think people have an intention, but they just didn't know how to do it. So that's kind of how the conversation went. It was very independent for each person. Yeah. And I mean, I see that all the time as well as that idea of it. It's not, I don't think necessarily uh, that they 
don't want to do anything with the video they've got. But like you say, it's often not knowing what to do. So they take the easy path of least resistance and, and just maybe stick it up on YouTube and hope that that's going to achieve the goals that they intended. And obviously you and I know that's, that's not going to work and, or very rarely is that going to work. So as you've um, kind of switched that conversation now and, and led your clients down the more strategic video path. Um, can you maybe share with us some, an example of a client that you've helped to, you know, change that conversation and then achieve some results? Yeah, absolutely. One of the companies that I've been working with is Eterniva and it's a company that turns ashes to diamonds and it's a really amazing concept. Yeah. So cremation ashes into a diamond that you can carry around with you at all times. So we, I forget the exact, the first project that we started doing together because it evolved so much after that, but we've been continually working together. So we've created a brand video for them, several testimonial videos out of that. We've also created awareness campaigns, awareness ads, um, kind of those Buzzfeed type style that explain what this process is. And then also kind of one-off videos. So say like breast cancer awareness month, we'll do ones that are featuring different um, individuals that have passed from breast cancer. And so they've really done a fantastic job of not only getting the video side of things, but also paying for the Facebook ad person as well as PR. So PR has been a massive thing for their company. And so I think that a lot of businesses, they'll focus on one marketing strategy and the ones that really succeed are the ones that are doing a variety of marketing strategies. So if you're hiring someone to do a video, how are you going to put that in your company and and use that? Like that's your whole thing. Well, you need to have a team of people behind pushing out that video. And that's what they've really done a great job at. Yeah. And critically there, you can't just hinge everything on video, right? Even at, you know, we're, we're video strategists. We, we love the power of video and we understand the power of it. But I have a saying that I use with our clients is that everything's better when it works together, right? So, and that's really comes down to your video strategy can't work in a silo that doesn't pay attention to the rest of the marketing strategy around what you're doing. There's nothing worse than producing like great video content marketing on someone's Facebook page, for example. And as you scroll through their Facebook feed, it's just video after video after video. And they're not even looking at using other forms of content, other forms of communication. And so what you've said there around ensuring that they, they've got a, a wider marketing and PR strategy, that's going to lead to the success of what they're doing with video, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, even beyond that as well as just the diversity of the videos that they've created. So a lot of companies, they'll hire me and we'll make 15 testimonials before they even think about making another video. And the reality is you don't, I mean, yes, that could be beneficial to your business to have 15, but if those are the only videos that you have, diversify that video portfolio. And so I think going on those same, that same line of thought, they also have diversified that element of it. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. So 
where I wanted to steer this conversation today, now that we've kind of got a bit of a backstory of where you're at and your business is, is really talking about what's next. So maybe, you know, let's yeah. start this conversation by talking about you've, you've just recently, as you've said, transitioned your business into no longer handling production and just focused on the content strategy um, and being that video strategist for your clients. And so where, where are you aiming to take that for your business? You know, what's the long game here for you? Absolutely. So I'll rewind just a little bit and kind of tell a little bit of a story of what initially got me started as a freelancer. So when I was first starting, what I recognized at that time, this was about four and a half years ago, was the disruption that was happening within the advertising agency. So there was people, so they, they were offering about $15,000 was maybe the minimum package that someone would have to pay to work with an ad agency. Yet there were all these small business owners and entrepreneurs that couldn't afford that price. Then enter kids like me who have a camera who had just graduated film school and were very affordable, we'll put it that way. And yeah. we went in and completely disrupted that industry, the ad agency industry to where now the ad agencies are very much competing with small production houses and even freelance videographers. So now what I'm recognizing, so at that time, I kind of saw an opportunity of the, I have a camera and I can undercut these people. And the industry is changing because these small business owners and entrepreneurs really need this service and yeah. they're going to have to figure out how to create it. So now I'm at the point in my business where what I'm recognizing is the agency model really isn't the best model in terms of profitability. So each year I was able to double my revenue, yet at the end of the day, the profit was remaining relatively the same, if not very, very similar. <laughs> so what I'm recognizing now is that we're kind of at another sp split in the road to where business owners and entrepreneurs are the ones driving the market. With the iPhone coming out and all these availability these low cost options for creating video content, if we don't pivot and help them do what, use these devices even better than they, they are originally using them right now, then my career could potentially dwindle in a way, right? So if I continue trying to produce only high end content and raising my costs, then I'm going to cut out the majority of the market that I want to work with, which really is small business owners and entrepreneurs. So that's why I'm pivoting towards the content strategy side of things, because more and more, the execution side of things is becoming very doable, right? Mm -hmm. You know, you used to have to shoot on film and actually chop that film and tape it together. And now, you know, we have nonlinear editing. That was a big deal. Then the DSLR camera came out. That was a huge deal. And now we have 4K footage on our iPhones. Yeah. So and just down nice? the track, we've got like AI editing as well, which is kind of, you know, you just plug in your raw footage and it probably spit out a pretty good edit, you know, so. Yeah. Crazy. Or at least do like the 80% of it. Right. Yeah. So, and, and it just blows my mind how, I mean, we, film is tracking a lot further comparatively to a lot of the other industries that have been disrupted, disrupted out there, but there's still so many things in film that have not yet been figured out. It's still very cumbersome for the most part. 
And so I'm very curious to see like the innovation that's going to happen. There's going to be a massive tech component of the film industry that doesn't currently exist either. So there's, there's so many different directions we could take this conversation. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's, um, let's, you know, steer that conversation into relevance for, for people working in the, the, online video and business space, whether they're doing video for their own business or for, for clients' businesses. And what you're talking about there is something that I talk about all the time, which is to do with the democratization of, of video creation. You know, the, the tools aren't a barrier anymore. So the, the barrier to entry for our profession is basically gone. And that means that previously, you know, the work that needed to be done by a videographer even, or a video producer, in many cases, a team of video people is now done by the client often themselves with the tool that they have in their pocket. And I think right. that's, you know, we took the term disruption is thrown around in many industries. And that's something that I think is hugely disruptive to our industry, but it doesn't signal the demise of the video production industry by any means. You know, I really right. feel that what it, opens up is an opportunity for video producers to provide more than just content, but to actually provide ROI, provide solutions, provide business growth using the medium of video. And, you know, using the same uh, kind of thought processes around strategy, when video becomes less of a thing, when it turns into more VR or, uh, you know, whatever holograms, you know, we can, we're going to pivot into that. We're going to be the hologram strategists, right? So right. I think we're positioning ourselves. I don't know where I was going with that. No, you know I like, I mean, I like right? yeah, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> video is just a, it's a method of delivering an idea into someone's head, right? Mm -hmm. We need to work out the best way to do that. And at the moment, video is hundred percent the best way to do that. I'll get off my soapbox and let you talk about it. So where do you no, think you're so going, right? right? Yeah, no, I mean, I think you're absolutely right in that these devices have not limited our ability the film industry in terms of production, right? Like there is still, in fact, there's more and more production that is needed to be done today with the amount of content that is being pumped out. And as you said, just a second year point of it really does just open up the door to more opportunities. And so it allows me to kind of step away from production into something else while before I don't think that that was really as possible to kind of switch within that industry. So I really think that there's going to be a convergence of the advertising industry, the film industry, and then the freelance gig economy. So I was talking to, there's a company here in Austin and they're building this platform and I don't think they've announced it yet. So I won't mention really what it is, but and I think that there's there's got to be several people out there that are at the same kind of stage as them and thinking similarly, but they're developing both a publishing platform as well as a way for content creators to get paid. So it's combining those two worlds into one platform to where it's going to be, and that makes it sound almost like an agency. So it's it's not that, but say... One of the stats that I heard was USA Today spent $92 million just on content last year. Wow. That's crazy, right? We'll take a slice of that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> only, right? Yeah. $92 million. So where that money is going to people like you and I producing some sort of content for them across the entire globe. And so 
they are desperate for content, yet creators are popping up more and more. And it's just the connection between the two. So somehow they're figuring out a platform to where I could have a brand on there that creates media, yet it's being funded by other companies. Yeah, yeah. That oh, that's sense. really interesting. And you'll have to share when there is some information about that. Let us know and I'll shout it out on the podcast as well. But Absolutely. There, is a, there is a platform called Genero, G-E-N-E-R-O, which is effectively connecting people who want content created, video content created to the videographers, to the video producers. And, you know, uh, it's that kind of, you know, I guess, gig economy kind of thing right but at that more uh, higher end production side uh, of of what we do as opposed to something like fiverr for example so you know those kind of exist right yeah but i also think this that what what's cool about this one just to clarify is they would be paying you to produce your podcast yeah right so it's not necessarily dictating like we've been had it dictated to us what kind of content to create for so long and it's becoming harder and harder to dictate what to create and it's easier just to pay people that to create within their passion yeah if that makes sense yeah no that's that's really cool and it is a sign of the way things are changing and and that brands and corporations organizations are thinking differently about the media landscape and it's not just about shouting their message out. You know, I really feel that as we become more mature in the way that brands are understanding the power of influencers, for example, they're no longer, well, for many of them, uh, they're no longer just reaching out to influencers and saying, here's our product, you know, go use our product or here's our thing, you know, make sure you shout it out on your channels and that's an influencer campaign. I think the, the better brands who are really understanding influencers now are actually looking to just come alongside and, and position their brand alongside the content that the influencer is already creating and making that more authentic connection with their audience that, that already loves that influencer and therefore they're going to love that brand. And, you know, that kind of thing is just, I believe it's like a, a maturation of the way that businesses, uh, corporations are understanding the power of, of authentic media out there across digital channels, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I second that for sure. So let's just continue down this conversation around where things are potentially going, because I think one of the things that, you know, is obvious to anyone who's engaging with video or any social media is just how noisy digital platforms are. And obviously what's not going to help that is more and more content, more and more video being created more easily um, with or without a strategy, you know, let's assume that there is a good strategy behind it, but the reality is 500 hours plus uploaded to YouTube every minute, you know, billions of videos crossing IP networks every year. The stats are crazy. Yeah, seriously. So it's a sea of content. Uh, it's crazy, right? So with that in mind, you know, where do you see that potentially going? Will people just stop being interested in video because there's too much of it or what's going to happen? Do you think? Oh gosh. It's a big question. It is a big question. I honestly, I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't even know if I can pretend to know. I think that the world is going to look so different in a couple of years. And I think, I think at some point there's going to have to be some sort of, we're going to say no to it. I assume 
like there's already so much stuff coming out about mental health issues related to social media and the amount of saturation that we have. So I'm curious if at some point there's going to be a resurgence of we're not, I don't know, somehow, I don't know if that makes sense, but some sort of stopping the progression or it can it even be stopped. I don't know. I think for me, I think that people's attention is always going to need to go somewhere. Right. Yeah, and I think that that, that will change, but you know, people want to engage with something, you know, they want to engage in connection and in entertainment, in, in learning, in, uh, you know, in content in some form. And, you know, totally. if we think about TV, for example, the, the kind of transition that we've gone through in, in standard broadcast TV programming of like moving away from drama and sitcoms and that sort of thing through into reality TV had its kind of heyday where almost every show was reality. So people moved their attention away from scripted stuff into what was apparently real life. And now right. I think with Netflix and you know things like Game of Thrones and, and the yeah. quality drama that's coming back, you know, I think we shifted away from into reality TV because, you know, I think production quality and storytelling and all of that sort of stuff had kind of disappeared a bit with the rise of soap or continued rise of soap operas and sitcoms and, you know, that just started to get a bit rubbish, right? Mm -hmm. And so people turned off from TV and then streaming services came on and they had other options and when choice was open, then they led towards things that seemed more real and relevant to them uh, rather than, you know, a sitcom about a family on the other side of the world didn't mean anything to them. And then I think that they now... um, are shifting back towards high quality programming because the reality TV got too much, too much rubbish. Right. 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 So I think it, it, it kind of swings right ups and downs. And so where we go next, I'm not really sure either, but um, it's exciting to see how things like YouTube and YouTubers and influencers, and as the quality of content and storytelling on YouTube improves, potentially that then becomes for a percentage of the audience, you know, their preferred attention zone, right? So totally. I think YouTube in general is such an interesting platform. And I think when you really get into the world of YouTube, you realize it is small. It's, it is only just beginning. I really, really feel like that because you probably watch all the same people I watch, you know, like at least in the video world. And then the health and fitness industry, I think is a lot bigger on YouTube, but there's still not a lot of noise for a lot of different industries in YouTube. So I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. There's so much opportunity to be had there. Yeah. And back in episode 92 of the podcast recently, we spoke to Jeremy Vest from vidIQ and, and we had this conversation around the fact that people are finding their tribe on, on YouTube, you know? So it's all about relevance, you know, like if you Mm -hmm. are interested in an example Jeremy used was underwater basket weaving, right? You can find your tribe of underwater basket weavers on YouTube and, and that it's kind of like Netflix times a million, like Netflix has its, these little niche shows and the algorithm will show you the shows that it recommends that you like because of various signals that Netflix have as, as to what you're going to watch. And they're, very clever with their algorithm there. And, um, YouTube is potentially cleverer than Netflix probably is. And, and you're going to live in your YouTube bubble and they have Google's data uh, to be that clever. Yeah. (laughs) 
So I think, you know, I think as, as the digital platforms start to mean, move into more of the just, you know, the way we consume content and we move away from traditional broadcast being different to digital, where that convergence I think is going to be, you know, really interesting. So yeah, I don't know where that conversation is going, but hopefully it's interesting for people listening. <laughs> and I'd love to hear from people if, if this has kind of prompted a bit of conversation. Let's um, encourage people to jump on into the online video strategy community on Facebook and, and open up a bit more conversation here. But um, I guess just as we kind of move towards closing this conversation, Amanda, you know, what do you think as, um, as being the, the key area that for businesses wanting to think forward thinking about where they're going with their content creation, with their marketing, using digital channels, video or otherwise, where should, or what's the decision-making process they should be going through to know where to put their budget basically, where, what should they be doing and how should they be thinking about it in your opinion? So what I always say is that there's three main buckets for content. There and they each achieve a different goal. So the first goal is to clarify your offer. So within that section, this is primarily content that will live on your website. So this is your brand video, your testimonials, your frequently asked questions, and all of those point to clarifying your offer. The second one is making a sale. And when you're making a sale, you're primarily going to be creating content for paid traffic. So Facebook, Instagram, YouTube ads, And so within that bucket of content, there's the face, there's like awareness ad is the main ad that a lot of people will have, which is super top level of their business. Then underneath that is the retargeting videos for that. And then there's also tribe videos, which I think are super cool to think about where you're specifically targeting a certain segment of that audience. And then if your goal is to build rapport with your audience, that's when Instagram stories, Facebook live and how to content really starts to come into play. And that's that kind of content is primarily living on social. So I think just understanding the different options that are out there when it comes to video creation is hugely helpful for people. And then you can ask the question, okay, which one do we need to do most right now? Do we need to clarify our offer, make sales, or build rapport? And then from there, you have clarity, a little bit more at least. (laughs) Cool. I love that. Nice, clear framework for people to take away as well. And, you know, I think, you know, connecting it back to what we were saying before about the future of where we're going with online video is you need to be as a business focusing your attention on content creation to where attention is for your audience. So fish where the fish are using that analogy. And right now, I think it's comes as no surprise to anyone that the attention is on video. So using Mm -hmm. video strategically and aligned to your business goals is, is where you need to be focusing your time and attention now. And, uh, we're aligned on that. I know we are Amanda. So (laughs) yes, absolutely. Awesome. So for anyone who's interested in finding out more about you, where, where's the best place for, for people to go and connect with you and see what you've got going on as well? 
Yeah. So the best way is to follow the YouTube channel. So I have a YouTube channel where I really talk about how business owners and entrepreneurs can leverage the power of video without breaking the bank or taking up tons of their time. So if that is interesting to anyone, definitely check that out. It's just youtube.com slash Amanda Horvath. It will be linked in the show notes. And then I am very active on my Insta stories. And I think that's a really fun way to get to know people. So if you want to follow me on Instagram, I would love to follow you back and just start a conversation about any of this, any and all of it. So my handle is ahvisions. All right. And we'll have all those links in the show notes page for this episode at Engage Video Marketing slash episode 98. Thanks again for joining me, Amanda. It's been awesome to chat and uh, stay in touch. Yes. Thanks for having me. Thanks again to Amanda for joining me on this episode. And I'm interested to hear from you what you thought about this chat and what you feel the future of online video is going to bring to us and our industry. Let's start a conversation. Email me podcast at engagevideomarketing.com or reach out to me on Twitter or Instagram at engage underscore Ben. And let's open a conversation. What prompted thoughts in you in this episode or what got you thinking differently about where we're going with this industry? I'm really keen to hear from you. So once again, if you haven't yet subscribed to this show, hit that subscribe button on your favorite player. And I can't wait to bring you another episode next week, which is episode 99, as we're getting right on in to episode 100 in a couple of weeks time. So thanks again for listening. I appreciate you. Hit that subscribe button. Leave me a rating and a review on any platform that you're listening and I'll be back with you next week for the Engage Video Marketing Podcast.